Central Baptist Church. My name is Joel Cassidy. My family and I serve here in the worship ministry at Central, and we would like to welcome you to Central today. If you're a guest with us, if you had reached into that pew back in front of you, there's a connection card. We'd love to know more about you. Um, we'd love to connect with you during the week. And if you have any concerns or prayer requests, whether you're a guest or a member alike, we'd love for you to fill out that card as well. Today, if you came prepared to give your offering and tithes, you can also find one of the offering envelopes in that pew back in front of you as well. You can fill that out and you'll leave your physical offering today, or you can go to centrallivingston.com and leave that online. If you have the physical offering or those connection cards, you can put them in the offering boxes at the exit of each of the doors this morning here in the sanctuary. Um, we're in this... Advent season, as we are nearing the end, as we are nearing the coming of the Lord as a baby. And we would like to continue to worship today through the reading of the word with Ben and Tammy Ogletree. Good morning. I'm reading out of Luke 1, 26 through 33. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. I like that angel. Lord, as we light this candle, we're reminded to be joyful. Lord, and that joy only comes through our, through our relationship and knowledge of Jesus Christ, Lord, and the hope and the good news that he brought to this sinful world. Lord, in all our circumstances, in all our trials, we know you are with us, Lord, even our pain has eternal purposes. Lord, we just uh, lift up the worship team and the choir as they lead us. Lord, let our, let our songs and our words be joyful to your ears. Lord, we uh, lift up Sonny and the message that he brings. Lord, let our hearts be receptive of that. We thank you for this Christmas season and, the, and uh, your birth. Lord, in your name we pray. Amen. Stand and sing with us this morning as we continue to worship.
service today, we're going to have a time of response. That time is for you. If you feel the tug of God on your heart to give your life to him or to surrender to ministry, we invite you to come forward. Or maybe you want to obey the command of believer's baptism. We'd love for you to do that at the end of our service today with Pastor Sunday. Shining star in heaven so bright, lowly tend their flocks by night. Could this be our faith now sight? Hallelujah, what a
Man, you can be seated. Isn't our worship team great? They do a great job to lead us on Sunday mornings. This past Wednesday night, wasn't that a lot of fun? They led us this past Wednesday night in here on this stage. It was awesome to see all of our children's choirs come together and our worship team as a whole and uh, just an incredible creative service. And then we had a lot of fun in our street party. Didn't you guys have a lot of fun out there? Yeah, we put fires in the middle of Northeast Avenue. How about that? And it was a lot of fun doing it. Great time of fellowship, and what a beautiful night that we had together as we worshiped King Jesus and uh, heard the gospel of Jesus, of course, sung to us, uh, spoken to us, um, opportunity to, um, uh, to respond to it. I want to read for us as we uh, go into our time of prayer, um, and I want you to think in terms of this as we pray. Um, these two very familiar verses, we typically read them only at Christmas time. I don't know why. But in Isaiah chapter 9, this is what it says in description of Jesus, verse 6 and 7, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts or the Lord of armies will do this. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning as we pray. And I want you to pray in light of these descriptions of Jesus come to this time of year. With your heads bowed, eyes closed, I want you to spend time with the Lord right now. You know, the Bible teaches us that Jesus is our counselor. No matter what kind of counseling we do in our world today, there is only one who knows the heart, the soul, and that's the Lord. I want you to thank him this morning in light of who he is. He is your wonderful counselor. Take some time to thank him for that. I also want you to thank the Lord that he is mighty God. These are the ways in which God wants us to remember him this morning. He is mighty and he is God. Jesus wasn't a moral man who walked this earth who did a lot of good things and said a, lot of good th- said a lot of good things. He is mighty God. He's also everlasting Father. Thank Him that He is everlasting Father. He has no end, no beginning. He is Prince of Peace. He makes peace between the Father in heaven and us. He brings peace to the human heart. Thank him in light of that. Pray that peace into your life. You see, there is no peace unless Jesus is sitting on the throne of your heart. Paul said in Philippians 4, to be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God in the peace of God, 
that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray that peace into your life. No matter what's going on in the world today, no matter what's going on in our own nation, Isaiah 9, 7 says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it. God governs and he leads by way of justice and righteousness. Thank him for that this morning. And pray that into your life. Pray that into our church. Pray that into our community. Pray that into the world. He is a God of justice, a God of righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore. And you are Jesus. You are the focus of our service today. You are the focus of our music, the focus of the elements that we bring to bear in this worship service because these elements all pertain to you. We don't exist today as a church. We don't exist today as a people apart from the blood and the body of Jesus. Father, we thank you for that incredible gift as we celebrate the gifts that we give to each other, we remember the greatest gift ever given to us was your son. So Father, thank you for your incredible love for us. And Jesus, thank you that you are the king and that you sit on the throne of many of our hearts this morning. We put you in the proper place today. We put you in the proper, Lord, location of our hearts and in of our minds that, Lord, our focus today would be on you and glorifying you and lifting you up and amplifying your name because you are worthy, you are holy, you are just, you are righteous in every way, and we are not. God, in our hearts, we know that we're sinners. We know that we have made mistakes in our life. We've taken our eyes off of you. We've made decisions upon our, in, our, in our lives, Lord, without consulting you, without seeking godly counsel in, in many ways. God, we have sinned against you at times, and we appeal to your mercy and your grace this morning. Because you're a God who does not condemn. You meet us where we are, and you forgive us because you are faithful and you are just. Lord, thank you this morning the significance of this season. Thank you this morning for the significance, God, of, of your son and how you sent your son into the world. Lord, we remember him. We also remember his coming again sometime soon, and we long for that day. Lord, bless our time together in your word today. We pray that your hand would be upon us. Lead us into the decisions that you want us to make in light of your word today. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll take a Bible. Turn with me to Psalm 72. 
Psalm 72. Hey, listen, before we, as we're getting started and as you're turning there, I want to remind you that next Sunday morning we have our Christmas Eve service right here in this room, and we're going to be um, having, uh, a, of course, a special service on Sunday morning, but also at the end of that service, we're going to have a special candlelight portion of our service. It's going to be a special time, and here's what I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to bring somebody with you. So if you're in town, you've got family members, you've got friends, maybe it's someone who lives next door to you, someone that you've been trying to get to come to church with you, or you've been praying for from a distance for a season and for a while, I want to encourage you to bring them with you next Sunday morning. We'll be sharing the gospel, of course, as we always do, but especially on Christmas Eve morning. And at the end of the service, of course, we'll have that special time of our candlelight service. We won't have our Bible studies that morning. And at the end of our service, we'll have some light refreshments in the lobby uh, for you as you are preparing to spend time with friends and family, of course, that afternoon. But um, uh, that'll be next Sunday morning. We have, over the last three weeks, looked at and walked through a series recalling, of course, the return of the king. Uh, It is a season that we're in right now of looking backwards and looking forwards. We look backwards, right, to 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 the coming of Jesus. He came. That's what we're celebrating. That's what all of this is about, right? The pageantry, the music, all of that. But also, we remember that Jesus Christ is coming again. And he, King Jesus, is coming again. And we remember that not only during the Christmas season, but throughout the year. And so we have walked through a series, a short series in the Psalms in the month of December. We looked at the king's coronation in Psalm 2. Last Sunday, we saw this a king's wedding in one of the Psalms that we saw and looked at. This morning, we're going to come to um, what we see in Psalm 72, a king's dominion. He has all authority, and we're going to remember that in light of that authority this morning. All of us have a perspective. Everything, we all have perspective. We carry perspective into life in general. Um, Some of us have good days. Some of us have bad days. I think all of us, however, would agree that the state sometimes of our personal lives, the state of our country, the state sometimes of the world, when you turn the news on and you look around the world today, the state of our culture is chaos at times. It's a mess, is it not? If you look back at the statistics, in fact, I was researching some of these statistics this week just in the areas of, the, uh, of sexual revolution and all the things happening in our culture today. If you just look back at the five or 10 year mark, our culture has radically changed and shifted just in the last 10 years just in a lot of different categories I don't want to get into today, but the fact of the matter is it's chaos, it's a mess. If we're honest with ourselves sometimes, and maybe this is you, you look in the mirror. And if you're honest with yourself and nobody else around, you look at yourself and you begin to tell yourself, I'm a mess. My life's chaos. And maybe you. Perspective is everything. Sometimes it can be discouraging when we think to ourselves, we have this thing called the gospel, we have the Bible, I'm trying to live the best I know how to live based on what the word of God says, the, what, the, what the gospel says, it transforms my, my mind, my heart, it changes me from the inside out, and I, I know all of this, I know this gospel power, but sometimes I, I, I feel the discouragement, I feel the, the, the pressure of seeing the brokenness around me, and experiencing the brokenness of my own personal life. Here is what Satan does. I'll put it to you in a battleground analogy or a metaphor. What Satan does is he takes the ground that the Lord has claimed. He takes it. He destroys marriages. He conv- he's really good at convincing you and accusing you of things. 
at three in the morning, at four in the morning, and you begin to wake up and you're just half asleep and all of a sudden you have these accusations in your mind that pop into your mind that lead you to places that you don't want to go, discouragement, depression, all of these kinds of places. He's really good at moving in, at tempting you to sin, and then coming right behind you after you have sinned and accusing you. This is what he does. He, he creates brokenness. He destroys families. He brings about drug addiction and, and all kinds of abuses, whether it's family abuse, spousal abuse, whether it's child abuse, he, sex trafficking, all the different things that come into our culture and into our lives. He's really good at taking this ground. And at times, it's really kind of discouraging because we, we, we understand we come into a place like this, we open our Bibles, we sing songs, and we raise our hands, or we raise our hands in our hearts. I know where you are. You don't want to physically raise your hands, but you're raising them in your hearts. But we do this and we think this is the hope. We have this hope. And yet, we see the brokenness around us. Maybe you have that brokenness in your heart. You come with that smile on your face, but when you go home and nobody else is around, you're as discouraged as all get out. If that's you, then I want to remind you who the king is Because this king that we're going to talk about, King Jesus, here in this psalm that we see in this psalm is all about Jesus Christ himself. I think that's why Jesus tells us to pray. Remember in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, look at this verse. Jesus said as part of the Lord's prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what God wants us to do. This is what Jesus taught us to do and how we are taught to pray. We pray on earth, and this is what we're praying. We're praying in light of a future kingdom, an earthly kingdom, where Jesus Christ is going to reign on this earth. We pray that God, you would bring about on earth now incredible amounts of what the kingdom, the future kingdom is going to look like. We pray that that, that the Lord, you would retake the ground that Satan has taken that you would retake the ground of our communities and of our marriages and of our families and of our hearts, that you would retake that ground that sin has so wrecked. So this is what he does. He calls us to work. He calls us to pray that this kingdom would advance here on earth, that the presence of God, the presence of Christ would be at work in our hearts. The presence of Christ would be at work in our communities, in our schools, in our families that the reign of Christ would be in the human heart, that it would be present and evident in our church, that we would grow to reflect his love in our church, that, that we would grow to obey his word in our church, that we would grow to honor him and to do good to others and to proclaim the gospel. This is his kingdom come here on earth, understanding that there is a future kingdom in the future. There is a kingdom coming in the future, an earthly kingdom that's coming. Revelation 20 speaks of this, this millennial reign of Jesus Christ here on earth, a future millennial reign of Christ on earth after the tribulation, before the great white throne of judgment, it tells us in Revelation 20, of the wicked, that Jesus would, that that this, this Messiah would rule over the nations, that there would be world peace across the world, that Satan himself would be bound, and there would be worship eternally. There is this coming kingdom, there is this coming millennial season or time in our world where Jesus will reign and all of those things will take place. There is hope that is coming, there is hope that is on the horizon. Jesus will reign in this earthly kingdom. He will reign in this earthly kingdom and his kingdom, listen, will be marked by righteousness 
It's going to be marked by compassion. It's going to be marked by blessing. It's going to be marked by worship. That's what it's going to look like. In light of that, as we wait, we pray. In light of that, as we wait for that to come, for Jesus Christ to return, for all of that to happen, we work. And we do that. The psalm shows us how, I believe, in Psalm 72. You see, the psalm shows us how to pray. It shows us how to think in terms of praying for the future. And so first of all, if you're taking notes, write this down. You can pray by way of expecting a future kingdom. You can expect this future kingdom, his future kingdom. Let me read for us what is happening here, and then we'll come back and talk about it. In verse 1 through 7, I'll just read these first few verses. This is what it says. And this is a psalm by Solomon. Remember that these certain psalms that we're looking at have a dual purpose. They have an immediate effect, and this was impacting not only David and Solomon, the kings of Israel, but it was going to be eternally fulfilled in Jesus Christ, in the future Messiah. And some of these psalms that we've been working through and looking at in the month of December speak to that, and this is one of them. So look at what it says. This is a psalm of Solomon, it says. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people in the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people. Give deliverance to the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. Look at verse 5. May they fear you and while the sun endures and as long as the, as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish. And peace abound till the moon be no more. Till the moon be no more. You see, understanding that two words stick out in those first few verses. You see them there? Righteousness and justice. We read them a moment ago in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Righteousness and justice. Righteousness is used four times. Justice is used twice. And it personifies what the future kingdom, this future millennial kingdom is going to look like. He will, number one, judge with righteousness. He will, ju- he will judge with righteousness. This is what he unpacks here in these first few verses Solomon is, re- is remembering. You see, the primary role of this king, the primary role of the Davidic king, the Davidic covenant, and the future Messiah is to be the guardian, a protector, if you will, of righteousness. If given by God. Look at it with me in verse 1. You see, this all flows from God. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. It all flows from the Lord. It all flows from God himself. It's yours. And if the king were to rule this way, if he were to judge this way, well, then there's going to be some results. Look at it there in those first few verses. Let me unpack them for us. The king, number one, is going to rule well. Not only that, but there's going to be the land, and the land is going to be fruitful. Look at verse 3. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people. Not only is the land going to be fruitful, but there's going to be vindication for the oppressed. Look at verse 4. May he defend the cause of the poor and the, of the needy, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. But he will reign eternally and continually. Verse 5 says, may the fear of you while the sun endures 
And as long as the moon throughout all generations, may he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his day, may the righteous flourish. Oh, there's going to be an eternal or a rain that's going to continue. But ultimately, it's going to lead to two spiritual factors. Because ultimately, it's not the prosperity of God's people. It's the spiritual transformation of God's people. There are going to be two big spiritual changes. You see them in verse 5 and 7. The fear of the Lord is going to be preeminent. And verse 7, it tells us that not only the fear of the Lord, but peace is going to abound. The fear of the Lord, meaning the respect of the Lord's power and authority. How? When, pe- when the people are going to begin to worship him and obey his commandments, there's going to be this indication that the fear of the Lord is now not only in a small group of people, but all the people. There's going to be the fear of the Lord, and there's going to be this peace that abounds. Well, listen to me, church. That's the future millennial kingdom and the reign of Jesus Christ. Solomon is praying that into his own life. He's asking God for this into his own life. David had this and was praying this into his own life, but it has this future fulfillment in Jesus Christ, the life and the ministry of Jesus. Jesus told us when he walked on this earth, he told us about himself. Look at Luke chapter four, verse 18. This is what it says. The spirit of the Lord Jesus said is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? Proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Sound familiar? This is what Jesus is doing. He was the fulfillment of that. Verse 19 says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. What Jesus does is he fulfills this. He is the judge and he judges with righteousness. What does that have to do with us? Well, if that's what Jesus Christ has came to do and that's what the millennial kingdom is going to be like, guess what? Jesus, pray, pray that right here, right now. Do this right here, right now in our hearts, in the lives of our families, in my kids' lives, in the life of my community, in my schools, in my nation, around the world. We can pray with that in mind. Oh, there's domestic abuse, isn't there? There is child abuse, isn't there? There's drug addiction and drug abuse, isn't there? There are people that are hurting and they're suffering and they're oppressed and they're in difficult situations. We can pray, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Retake the ground in the lives of people, in the lives of children, in the lives of spouses, in the lives of the suffering, in the lives of the oppressed around the world. God, retake that ground. That's what we pray. We want that to take place. But not only do we pray, but we work toward that end. This is why I love being a part of the Southern Baptist Convention, because what we are doing is we are meeting needs and we're changing lives as we're doing it. Disaster relief ministries, not only here in our country, but around the world through our North American Mission Board. We are meeting needs and we are changing lives. This is what we are called to do. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ and we understand that the physical needs of people's lives is not their eternal need. It is a means to an end. But I can tell you what the kingdom of God looks like. We just read it. It isn't suffering. It isn't challenges and difficulties. It is not the the pain of loss. We understand that God, what flows from God is he is a God of righteousness. He is a God of justice. And we are right here, right now, the arms of that. We meet needs and we change lives. I'm proud of you and I'll brag on you for just one quick moment. Creekside Elementary, in our offices right now, there is a room that is filled with Christmas gifts and presents because y'all were generous and you were benevolent to meet the needs of many children and families at just that one elementary school in our community in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm proud of you. 
You did good. And it gives my heart, it gives my, gives my heart joy when I walk through that room and I see all those gifts wrapped and ready to be delivered this week. You see, we meet needs and we change lives because we pray his kingdom come, his will be done. And so he's going to rule with righteousness, but look where the psalmist goes next in verses 8 and 9 and 10 and 11. Look at the Look at the the psalm with me again one more time. It says, may he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down to him before him and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. This is what it's going to be like. The psalmist looks to a day. He looks to a day when all the kings of the earth will submit to God's chosen king. Think about that for a moment. Every nation, every governmental leader will bow the knee to Jesus Christ one day. He gives us this geographic nature of his dominion. In light of Solomon and David, he looks to the future. Because notice in verse 8 what he says, may have dominion from sea to sea, from the river to the what? Ends of the earth. He looks to the future, the psalmist, not only talks about himself, prays that into his own life, but he sees that there is this future kingdom that is coming. Geographic in nature, God's promise began with Abraham right here in Genesis chapter 15, verse 18. This is what it says. On the day that the Lord made a covenant with Abram, he said, take to your offspring to give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. But not only that, but he then backs that up a a few chapters later in Exodus or the next book later in Exodus chapter 23, verse 31. He reaffirms it with Moses. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the the Philistines. By the way, that's modern day Palestine. And and from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand. That land belongs to Israel, y'all. And you have shall drive them out before you. God given land to his people. And that was way back in the book of Exodus here. You see, David and Solomon ruled a part of that land. But listen to me. They didn't rule to the ends of the earth. Which then understands and we understand that there is going to be one day when there is going to be one king to rule all of it. The king of kings. And that's why Daniel, as he's prophesying, the prophet Daniel is prophesying into the future. In Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, this is what he says. Daniel says this. Are we there? I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came, and the ancients of days was presented before him. Look at this in verse 14. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him, his dominion in all, and an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed." He's speaking, of course, to the one king that will rule all the world, who will rule all the earth. We understand that and see it in the scriptures as Jesus Christ. He's coming. And with that in mind, we pray. We pray in light of that. We pray in light of not only is he going to rule with righteousness, but he has the power over the world. And in light of that, his righteous judgment and his power, the focus, listen, isn't this political kingdom that we're praying about. The the focus is a fulfilled promise that God has given to us. 
And so we expect it. We live in light of it. We pray towards it. We work to see the gospel retake the ground that Satan has taken. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we expect this coming kingdom. And as you expect the coming kingdom, you call upon a compassionate king. Because Jesus is compassionate. God is compassionate in every way. And look at where the psalmist goes next in verse 15. I'm sorry, in verse 12. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor in him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and of the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence, he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Last few days, I've been watching this documentary in my living room on World War II. And... uh, It's only six episodes, but it focuses on the front lines of World War II. So it doesn't give a full exhaustive view of World War II, but it only focuses on the major parts of the war. It's fascinating to see the rise of Adolf Hitler, the rise of Mussolini in Italy, the rise of Japan, and the Axis powers coming together. But here is the thing. In their purpose and willingness to try to find, in this human dictatorship, if you will, and in their purpose to try to have world domination, the conquering of nations and the conquering of peoples, time and time again, compassion was not their end. Pain and suffering was the end result. It wasn't compassionate. It wasn't righteousness and it wasn't justice. It was power. It was prestige. It was glory, self-glory in every way. But I want you to look at what the world and why the world will follow this king as we read just a moment ago in these verses, beginning in verse 12. Why will the world follow this king? Well, because in verse 12 he says, for he delivers the needy when he calls. He's compassionate towards the oppressed. Oh, he hears the oppressed. He hears people who cry out to him. He hears them right now, right this moment around the world as they cry out. He hears them. He hears people that are right now enslaved around the world. He hears people that are suffering right this moment as we sit here and as we worship in this place. He hears the oppressed and he meets their needs. He delivers, look at the text with me. He delivers, doesn't he, to the needy who calls, the poor, him who has no helper. He shows pity towards those that are, that are needy and poor and weak. You see, the results of that, of, of, of suffering, is going to be violence. It's going to be oppression, as you see in the text. But not only that, but people are going to follow him because he is the one who redeems. Do you see that? Verse 14, from oppression and violence, he what? He redeems their life, he restores, he rescues their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. This is what the future king looks like. This is what the millennial kingdom looks like. This is what Jesus looks like, the one who comes and does this. So how do you and I pray for this, uh, for, for this to come? It's undeniable this is Jesus because he rescues us from sin. He rescues us from what we are known to have that is, that is about our life. Romans 5, 8 says this. It says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He heard our hearts. He hears the problems in our life. And he says, but God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, he died for us. 
Jesus came and did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And in light of that, you thank him. In light of that, you thank him for his grace and your mercy here on earth. Oh, you can expect this coming kingdom, but you can call upon a compassionate king by thanking him for this grace and mercy that is upon your life. But you can also pray for the persecuted around the world. In light of who Jesus is, in light of what God is and who he is and who he declares himself to be, just in verses 12, 13, and 14, you pray for the ones that are right now believers in Jesus Christ who are persecuted around the world. Right now, just around 360 million people are right now, as we worship around the world, suffering and under the threat of religious persecution because, simply because they follow Jesus Christ. 360 million brothers and sisters in Christ who we will spend eternity in heaven with. And so we pray for them. Paul said to pray for him in that passage right at the end of Ephesians chapter 6. Paul said, I am shackled in chains. As he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ in places where it was not popular to do so. He prayed for them. Pray for each other. We can pray for each other. Those of us who are struggling because maybe you are at school or you're the only Christian in your family or you're a spouse, a wife, and you'll go home to a husband or you're a husband and you'll go home to a wife who's not a follower of Jesus Christ today and maybe every time you bring that up, they give you pushback, they may make fun of you, they may belittle you. Pray for one another because God, Jesus Christ himself, is a compassionate king. You can pray towards that end. There is power in prayer. Call upon Jesus. Call upon him because he is a compassionate king to retake the ground that Satan has taken. But as you wait for this king, we ultimately look to this reign. You request endless blessings. You and I can not only call upon a compassionate king, but we can request blessings that are endless. This is why what the psalmist says next, he says, long may, in verse 15, long may he live, may gold of Sheba be given to him, may prayer be made for him continually and blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land on the tops of the mountains, may it wave, may its fruit be like Lebanon and may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever, his fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed him, all nations call him blessed. The psalmist looked to a time when it was universal prosperity and it was anchored in the promises of God. This was anchored in David's promise. I'm sorry, in, in, in Abraham's promise. As long as they obeyed, there would be blessing. As long as the king that would sit on the throne obeyed and followed God in light of David and then the Solomon and down the line, there would be blessing. This blessing would flow into the king's life and that blessing would then flourish into the people's life. With that came blessings and prosperity. Not only blessings politically, but also blessings economically. And not only blessings economically, but spiritually and commercially. You see it there in those verses. All of that was there. Not just for Israel, but for the nations of the world. If God blessed his people and he blessed his king, all the nations of the world would be blessed. That comes right back to the main promise, doesn't it? Genesis chapter 12, verse one says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. 
He says, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make you great so that you will be a blessing. He then says, I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Fulfilled fully and completely in Jesus Christ. God blesses the world through the life of Jesus. Why Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the what? Life. Jesus himself is our king forever. And so the gospel is here to, 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 to transform and change our lives through his words. How do I pray in light of endless blessings that are to come? Well, I can pray for authorities. I can pray for my government. This is why Paul says in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, he says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no subject authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Paul's going to go on and say to Timothy, this young pastor, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. He's going to say for kings and for all who are in high positions, those who I politically like and those who I politically don't like, those who I vote for and those who I don't vote for, that we may lead a peaceful and a quiet life. Listen, church, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing to the political person that I'm praying towards. No, it's good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior. Why is that important? Because if the political leaders, whether they follow God or not, whether I vote for them or not, if God's favor is upon them, guess what that's going to do? It's going to impact your life. It's going to impact our lives. That blessing on that political leader is going to have a positive impact upon his people. Lord, I understand that God puts these people in positions of authority, so I pray that God would change the hearts of people that are wicked in in the political arena. That God would change their hearts. I pray that that, that they would come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's okay to pray. I, I pray that God would put around them people who are friendly to the word of God, who would influence them, even sometimes when they don't realize they're in being influenced with God's word that might shape their decisions that would have a positive impact upon this nation or all the kings or the nations of the world. I can right now, realizing and understanding that God's endless blessings are coming in that season, I can pray that upon the leaders that God has given me here and right now. But not only authorities, I can pray for the gospel to advance. That's how the nations of the world ultimately are blessed. They don't need food and water and clothing and money, number one. Ultimately, what they need and what we need is what? Jesus to be on the throne of our hearts. And so we pray that the gospel would impact our community, that the gospel would impact our school, that the gospel would impact our state and our nation and the rest of the world. Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. But this is what he says. This is how he goes on. Look at this. We have verse 36. 
Okay, verse 36, this is what he says. He says, listen, when he saw the crowds, he said, had compassion on them, right? Here it is. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw their need, but he saw the spiritual need in their hearts. And he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. So what do we do? We pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. He didn't say, y'all go get a whole bunch of food and water and go feed those people. He said, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the fields. Because he saw the hearts and the minds of people lost, wandering through life, trying to make a living, trying to raise their families, trying to go through life and deal with all of these ailments and these diseases and these tragedies and these tragic things that happen to us that we experience in our everyday life without a shepherd, without a compass, without a realization of who God is and how much God loves us, even in those spaces of suffering and difficulties in a world that is broken by sin. He saw them lost because they were trying to figure out how to fix their brokenness. And he said they need a shepherd. And so he says to the church, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field that the gospel would continue to advance. That's the ultimate blessing. So listen, church, as you wait, and as we wait, we pray expecting for this coming kingdom, we can call upon a compassionate king, we can request endless blessing, but listen, at the end of this psalm, the focus is on God himself, isn't it? We focus on the glory of God. The last two verses here are actually not, I don't believe, we the most don't believe are part of this specific psalm, but they kind of create a bookend to book two of the Psalter. We talked about that last week. And at the very end of this book, at the very end of this psalm, here are these two or three verses. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. You see, what a fitting benediction to what Solomon, to what the psalmist has laid out here. To be filled, look at the text with me again, to be filled with his glory is to be a place of worship where God's presence is made known. So how do you pray? Well, you pray in light of that, that the world would know and would see the glory of God. That begins in me. That begins in you. It begins in our church, that the Lord would see the glory of God in the world and turn to him in every way. So yes, the culture's a mess. Yes, maybe your life is a mess. Yes, the world is a mess in every way. But this psalm gives you and I hope. It points us to a day when this king is going to return. This millennial kingdom, this earthly kingdom, because Jesus is the king of his earthly kingdom. And when he comes... He's going to make all things right. 304 years ago, there was an old hymn that was penned by a man by the name of Isaac Watts. Anybody meet Isaac? Good, because he wrote this hymn in 1719. 
In light of this psalm, he writes these words. Jesus shall reign where'er the sun does its successive journeys run. His kingdom stretch from shore to shore till moons shall wax and wane no more. This is what he says. To him shall endless prayers be made and praises throng to crown his head. His name like sweet perfume shall rise with every morning sacrifice. People and realms of every tongue dwell on his love with sweetest song and infant voices shall proclaim their early blessings on his name. Blessings abound wherever he reigns. The prisoners leap to lose their chains. The weary find eternal rest, and all who suffer want our best, are blessed. Let every creature rise and bring the highest honor to our King. Angels descend with songs again, and earth repeat the loud amen. That is hope in our Christmas season. Because this King has come, but He's coming again. So pray in light of this coming kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Expect this coming kingdom when you get together alone with your God, your Father, and you pray. Call upon a compassionate king. Ask him for these eternal blessings that are going to come. In light of all of that, worship him. Proclaim his glory. Focus on his glory in every way. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You see, Jesus tells us that ultimately he is our redeemer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your savior and Lord, he wants to be your personal king. He doesn't want to be a religious figure in your life. He wants you to know him in a personal way. I think the beauty of the Bible is that Jesus and God himself reveals himself to us. He reveals to you who you are. He reveals to you who he is. He reveals to you his plan to rescue you, to rescue your heart, to rescue your life. Oh, he wants to come into your life and be your personal king. Will you let him? Will you let him this morning? those of you in the room that are Christians and followers of Jesus, I just want to ask you to ask him, Lord, would you retake the ground in my heart that Satan has taken? Maybe I've drifted. Maybe I've forgotten who you are. I've been caught up in just this religious life. But I've lost sight of how personal it is to know you. And there are areas in my heart that I need to give over to you. Retake that ground. Will you ask him to do that right now, quietly, to pray and ask him to do that? Ask him, your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Pray that. We're going to stand and sing. And when we sing, I just want you to have an opportunity for you to come and if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I'll be down here at the front. There are others who will pray with you, and I will pray with you as well over any matter. If God has been speaking to you about membership and joining our church and our fellowship, listen, it's time to commit to that. Maybe the Lord has been speaking to you about baptism. 
You just need someone to pray for you over some matter in your life. You need to give over to the Lord. Well, we'll be here at the front. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to stand and sing and respond to what God says to us today. Lord, thank you this morning for your word. You've led us to you, Lord Jesus. Your word has reminded us of who you are, of what this future kingdom will look like. And we just pray that, God, your kingdom would come even now, that you would give us aspects of that now in our hearts and in our church, in our community, in our nation, in our world. Would you work and do that power? And would you display your power in our life and in our hearts today? We pray that, God, you give us courage to say yes to you and respond to what your word says today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand with me? Let's sing. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, oh Jesus Christ, my living Lord. Who could imagine so great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is spoken, I am forgiven. The King of kings calls me his own. Beautiful Savior, I'm yours forever. Oh, Jesus Christ, my living hope. If you feel God calling you this morning to respond to that living hope which we have, the front is open to you to respond, to come and receive prayer. I invite you to do that in this time. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free, hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living oh, oh hallelujah. Praise the one who set me Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me, you have broken every chain, there's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living oh. Well, then came the morning. 
seated this morning. Hey, listen, as we, um, as we go into our time, just uh, we're going to give our tithes and our offerings here at the end of the service as you're leaving. Um, but I just want to make a couple very quick announcements, and then we'll pray over our, uh, our gifts to the Lord this morning. Um, I want to mention that uh, this is, uh, we've had poinsettia Sunday, and so if you have a poinsettia up here, thank you all so much for providing them, and uh, you can take them with you, okay? So we're, um, we're asking you to go ahead and take them today. You're welcome to take them home with you. We've got many. We're going to be taking them to our homebound and other people this coming week. Um, but if you purchased one and you'd like to take it home, you can feel free to take it with you today. So thank you for, for providing those, and we're grateful for it. It made the uh, church beautiful this morning and this, this Christmas season. We are in the midst of giving towards our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. It all goes to our International Mission Board. And so we are almost there at our goal of 22,000. Let's continue to give faithfully through the end of the year. Um, all of that going to missions is going to go to um, our International Mission Board. I've mentioned this before, but our IMB, probably 40 to 50% of their annual budget comes through this one-time offering. And God is at work around the world in so many ways. We've seen a couple videos to show us that. We have been a faithful church in the last two years. Let's keep doing that. I keep bragging on you to people that I know about how faithful we are to give to uh, missions offerings. It's pretty amazing. So let's give. Let's keep giving through the end of the year, okay? Don't forget next Sunday, Christmas Eve service, 9.30 in the morning. Nothing is changing outside of we don't have our Bible study class classes, but we'll have service at 9.30, full service, candlelight service at the end. We'll have a brief kind of reception in the lobby for you. We'll enjoy some fellowship before we head out to our family and friends and time with, uh, with them, okay? So I wanted to mention that. Finally, through the end of the year, of course, we are giving. So if you have, you want to get caught up on your giving, if you want to give over and above your tithes to offerings, uh, you can do that by giving online. You can give here in person, or you can drop it off at the church office, okay? And so let's be faithful to give. With that being said, let's stand 
and let me just have a word of prayer for the offerings and tithes we give to the Lord before we leave today. You can drop them in the boxes as you leave, or you can um, go ahead and go online and give as well. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this uh, the service. Thank you for the time that we've had to worship you. Lord, as we just come to the end of our service, we thank you for um, the many ways you've blessed us over this last year. Um, good or bad, um, Lord, financially, Lord, you've called us to give sacrificially and willingly and generously and joyfully. So God, I pray that you would find us faithful to give here at the end of the year as we give to you today. Lord, use these tithes, these offerings, multiply them. Um, But also, Lord, use them in our lives, the giving of this in our lives to teach us, to train us, to depend upon you in every way. So we give these tithes and offerings to you. We pray that you'd multiply them and use them, Lord, to reach our community um, as well as around the world. So God, we love you and thank you for the many ways um, that we have um, opportunities to give to you, to serve you, and to give to you our tithes and offerings. Lord, lead us to people who need Jesus this week. Help us to point people to you during this Christmas season. We love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.